this episode, we are talking about who taught you how to love. But this time we have a subtitle, which is the prison of people pleasing. Right, the prison of people pleasing. I am your host, Clifton Brantley, as if you didn't already know that, because, well, you can read, right? At least I hope you can read. Anyway, man, what a week. Wow, what, what a week. And really, really, I can say what a weekend, right? And my weekend was a character building weekend just for me personally. And I tell you what, for all of you who know me personally, and you think I have it all together because I'm a therapist. Trust me when I tell you I am a regular human being. And what that means is I have the same human problems as the rest of us, right? Like, why do you think, why do you think therapists go to therapy? Like, we need therapists too. Well, what do you think that's for? Just to, you know, talk about work or talk about adult stress? No. Like, we've been children before too. <laughs> we got to work through stuff just like everybody else. And this weekend, I was reminded, I was reminded of just how human I am. So much so that you almost did not get this episode, to be honest. Like, this episode almost did not happen. So, uh, anyway, uh, I believe this is going to be a great episode. So, I hope that you are tuned in and you may even want to take some notes. Uh, you want to make, may want to take some notes. So, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, some of the things that I say in this episode may shock you. Some of the things I say, you will deny its truth, right? You, you, some of you just not going to believe, but I want to encourage you to stay teachable, stay teachable and just consider the possibility that what I'm saying is true. Like just having your mind, what if, you know, what if, what if what he's saying is actually true, right? So who taught you how to love? And we're talking about the prison of people pleasing. Now, why did I say, why did I say who taught you how to love if I'm going to be talking about people pleasing? Well, I'm glad you asked. It is because most people that are trapped in the prison of people pleasing think that they are great lovers, right? They think that they're giving from a place of love, but people pleasing is not love at all. So let's get into it. Uh, let's define people pleasing before we start talking, because I want to make sure that we're on the same page. Right. So if you have your own definition of people pleasing or if you have a different definition than this one, the one I'm about to give, then just know that this is what I'm talking about on this podcast when I talk about people pleasing. OK, so people pleasing is well. So this is more of a description uh, than a definition. Right. It's more of a description than a definition definition. So a people pleaser is a person who compulsively meets the needs of other people at their own expense. Right. And when I, so the word compulsively, when I say compulsively, that means, uh, it's a strong urge inside. Like they feel like it's an obligation, right? So a people pleaser is a person who feels obligated to meet the needs of other people, but at their own expense, they oftentimes, uh, they oftentimes fear confrontation, 
and they feel responsible to make sure everybody is good, right? They rarely, if ever, say no. They, people pleasers rarely say no, if they ever do. And they cannot tolerate the negative emotions of other people, especially the people that's closest to them. Like they, they cannot, they cannot tolerate that. So long description, but I hope it made sense. Right now, let me tell you about my first encounter with the concept of people pleasing. Right. Let's let me, let me get into that. Tell you about my first thing, my first encounter with people pleasing. So I was about 43. I was married to my ex-wife and uh, we were having a conversation. I remember I was driving down. I, I can see it vividly. I was driving down Scott and we was having a conversation about about, you know, love and being in love and feelings and things like that. And she asked me, you know, have you ever been in love? And so based on her question, I, I didn't understand what she was saying. So I asked her to elaborate. And basically she was saying, you like, whenever you ever felt like, you know, like head over heels for someone or like you was just like couldn't get enough of them or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And she said some other things like that. But based on her description, I was like, uh, I've, I've never felt that. Right? I've never felt that, which I guess in hindsight, I don't know how that made her feel, but I mean, we were married <laughs> and for, that's crazy. We were married. And for me to say, like, I've never been in love or head over heels for anyone. Uh, I don't know how she, you know, processed that because in the moment, like she didn't mention anything. But what I took away from that conversation was, man, something is really wrong with me. So that drove me to therapy. Right. So I go to therapy and uh, my therapist, as we begin to talk, she suggests this book to me. The name of the book is uh, Facing Codependence by Pia Melody. Right. Now, I had never heard of anything called codependence. I, you know, I've kind of heard it in the culture, but I've always thought of codependence as you know, like something ha having to do with alcoholics. Basically, like if someone has a drug problem or alcohol problem, uh, you buying them drugs, you're codependent, meaning you are like helping them be bad. That's what I thought codependence was. But man, was I in for a shocker. So anyway, she suggests this book and um, I take the book home, but I don't read it. Right. So each week for maybe for about three weeks, I come to therapy. We start talking. And as we're talking, she'll stop and say, did you start reading the book yet? And I said, no, I'm not going to start. I started on this other book. And she's like, that's good. But I really need you to get into this book. I really think it's going to help you. So after about three weeks, I'm like, OK, fine. Right. And so I go home and I start reading the book. I was in the introduction when um, I, I stopped reading because I was so overwhelmed with what I was reading. It felt like this lady, the author, it felt like she had interviewed me and then wrote a book about my life. And I'm like, how is that possible? I had no idea at that time how broken I was. Like I had no idea uh, that my childhood had that kind of effect on me. Right. And so that was my first introduction to to, to codependence. Now you say, I thought you were going to tell us about people pleasing. Well, so here's the thing. People pleasing 
is the layman's term for codependence. Codependence is the kind of like the psychological term. But people pleasing is the term that we know most often. Right. Uh, so I, once I begin to do the work to work on my codependence, uh, I understood love in a much different way. Right? I understood love in a completely different way. Over the years, I've helped a lot of people face codependence. Right. I've helped a lot of people get their lives back by dealing with this issue of codependence. But here's the thing. The thing that makes it so dangerous or should not 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 so dangerous, not 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 what makes it dangerous, but the thing that makes it more dangerous, like like people pleasing is seriously dangerous. Right. But then there's this other element of it that makes it nuclear bomb dangerous. Right. So people pleasing the concept of people pleasing itself is dangerous. But this other part makes it nuclear bomb dangerous. What is that? It is the fact that people pleasing looks so much like real love. Like that's, that's dangerous because it looks like love. Most people pleasers don't even know how dangerous this disease is to the human being. As a matter of fact, most people pleasers don't know that they're people pleasers because they think that they're loving right see that we humans we thrive on love but i thought you said humans you know you told us a time before that humans thrive on connection that, right right see connection is so so love is how we connect when we love we are connected right so i'm, I'm saying the same thing right did you know did you know that the whole purpose of relationships overall, right? Overall, the whole purpose of relationships overall is to express love. Like if you're in a relationship, this is a side note. If you're in a relationship and love is not free flowing, that relationship is not fulfilling its purpose. The purpose of relationships is to express love. Okay, so imagine the thing that we need to survive, meaning love, the thing that we need to survive has been copied by the enemy and introduced as the thing it copied. But the copy is poisonous. Right. So the thing we need to survive, it has been copied by the enemy and then introduced as the thing that it copied, but the copy is poisonous. Okay, so if that didn't make sense, imagine someone exchanging all of the bottled water everywhere and replacing it with something that looks and tastes just like water, but half of it is poison. That would be dangerous, right? If, 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 if you went to the store and you bought that water, you're thinking that it's water you put in your refrigerator, there's nothing that's going to prevent you from drinking it. That's dangerous. So why did I say, why did I say that the enemy did this? Because Satan does not have any new tricks. Okay. Be mindful of that. He, the Bible says we're not ignorant of his devices. That's because he doesn't do anything new. 
Okay, He is doing and will keep doing what he has done from the beginning, which was want to be God. But since he can't be, he makes an evil copy of everything good that God has created. Before Eve was tricked by Satan, her and her husband did not care what other people thought of them. Right. And I know they were the only two peoples, but but people without an S. I know they were only two people, but I'm saying they they did not care what their partner thought of them. Okay, is that better for you? They didn't care what, what 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 their partner thought. They were not concerned with not being accepted by their mate or God. Like that wasn't a concern of theirs. Genesis chapter two ends. It ends with this. Now, the man and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. That's that's how chapter two ends. But then the next chapter, Satan shows up. He twists what God said. Got Eve to focus more on her lack than on her abundance. And he made her think that she needed something that God said she could not have in order to be more like God. And then we get down to verse seven. Verse seven says, at that moment, their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. See, the trick, uh, the trick to focus on self made them hide from each other and hide from God. This is when pride was birthed on the earth. Right. This is when pride I was going to say got its wings, but that, that doesn't make sense. It just came to my mind, but I'm not. But this is when pride, like, was birthed on the earth. All sin is rooted in pride. All of it. Pride is the mindset of self. Okay? It's a hyper-focus on self for the service of self. It's self-serving, right? People-pleasing is, is a hyper-focus on self. Um Their fear of not being accepted, talking about Adam and Eve, was rooted in their hyper-focus on themselves. As a matter of fact, anytime you operate in fear, who are you focused on? You're focused on you, right? You're focused on you. So, So when I say that this is a trick of the enemy, it's clear that you know, his, int- his, his intent was to take love and twist it, and he's been successful at it, right? The reason that I say people, I'm sorry, the reason that I say people-pleasing is a prison is because you're not free to be who God created you to be, right? I, and I believe, I, I, I say this all the time, I believe that people-pleasing is the most prevalent prison that we humans live in the most prevalent prison, right? It's, it's a mind prison. When you're trapped in people pleasing, you are not giving and receiving authentic love because fear and pride block the free flow of love. Like it's, it's, it's like a, it's like a pipe that is clogged up. Like love cannot flow where there's fear and pride. This is going to keep you, love deficient okay 
It's going to keep you love deficient. And I say keep you love deficient because chances are you showed it to adulthood from childhood love deficient. If you are a people pleaser, you showed up to adulthood love deficient. And unless you make an, a conscious effort to address this problem and address it vigorously and consistently, you will never experience true happiness or contentment on this planet. Like you, you just won't. The thing about people pleasing, like I said earlier, is that most people think that they're not people pleasers when in fact they are. Right. And some of you may be thinking, I'm not a people pleaser because I don't care what people think about me. OK, cool. If you if you think that. But but in your relationships, do you speak up when you're angry? Right. When when they do or say something that you don't like, do you tell them? See, most people, most people uh, that see people pleasing as a bad thing, they automatically don't want to, I mean, not see it as a bad thing. It is a bad thing, but they automatically, because it is a bad thing, don't want to attach it to themselves. And I can understand that, but don't let that prevent you from looking in the mirror. Most people that people please is all about making other people feel good, right? People pleasing is about preventing yourself from feeling bad. They think, oh, I just love serving people. I just love, you know, making people feel good. But really the ulterior motive and, and a lot of times the people please the, the person who's people pleasing is not aware of it. But the ulterior motive is to make self feel good or, or, or should I say to prevent self from feeling bad. Right. When you don't speak how you feel because it hurts because it'll hurt someone's feelings. That's people pleasing. When you don't want to hear your mother's mouth on Thanksgiving, so you fly home every year, when you actually want to stay home with your own family, people-pleasing. When you avoid conflict or confrontation at all costs, people-pleasing. People-pleasing is so engrafted into the culture that it is the reason at least what I believe. I believe it is the reason that social media is what it is. I told someone the other day, if God gave me one wish for mankind, like I got to use it on mankind, I would not wish that everybody loves everybody. That I, I wouldn't. I would ask, what I would wish for is that the world be rid of people pleasing. Because if the world was rid of people pleasing, then people would be able to love authentically. And I told them, you know, in the same discussion, I told them that if that happened, social media would die. Right. It, it, it would die. It, well, if, it, if it, it, it would die or it would at least be used for what it was created for, which is to actually be social. All right. Now, why am I talking about this? Why am I talking about this? Because. It is a prison that most people don't know that they're living in. Think about that. So I worked at uh, I worked at TDC, Texas Department of Correction, for a while. A short while, to be honest. It was like um, I think it was two weeks and half a day. The two weeks was in the classroom. <laughs> two weeks was in the classroom, but 
uh, half a day at the prison was enough for me. I was like, yeah, no, I can't do this. This, And I, I was a guard. I was not in prison. Like, I wasn't locked up. I was working. But I was like, yeah, no, this this job is not for me. Right. So so you if you've never been to a prison, you've seen prison represented in the media. Right. And I can I can almost assure you that almost everything that you've seen in the media, those are probably pretty pictures of what prison is like. Really. Shawshank Redemption, not Shawshank Redemption, um, American Me. American Me was a good movie. Prison may be more like that, in at least in my mind, from what I remember from it. But anyway, the point is, um, I'm talking about this. I was saying, why am I talking about this? Because it is a prison that most people live in, but they don't know they're living in, right? They don't know why they're unhappy or depressed. They don't know why they have anxiety. They think they, think they know. They think it's because of one thing, but it's because of people pleasing. They think that they were born to take care of others. They think that going out of their way to meet someone else's need to their own detriment is what they're supposed to do. That's why I'm talking about it, because I want to set some people free from this prison. Right. One of the key components of of uh, people pleasing is a lack of boundaries. Like that's that's a major component of people pleasing, lack of boundaries, because you're always taking responsibility for someone else's feelings. Right. Uh, I'm not going to do that because that's going to make them angry or I'm not going to say that because they won't like it. And you are making yourself responsible for how someone else feels. That's not your business. Everyone is responsible for their own feelings. Right. So. So um, what was it? OK. Yeah. yeah people pleasing. So it, it's a lack of boundaries. Now. I'm sure I'm sure uh, because I'm thinking about uh, uh, boundaries, I'm sure going to do something on boundaries real soon because the thing about boundaries, people think that uh, boundaries, when you set boundaries, it's for other people. No, boundaries are for you. Right. Boundaries, boundaries tell you who you are and how you are to behave. But but a lack of boundaries is one of the key components of people pleasing. One of the most shocking things to me when I read the book uh, Boundaries by Townsend and Cloud, amazing book. As a, matter of fact, as a matter of fact, let me recommend that book right here in case I forget at the end. Uh, get the Boundaries book by Townsend and Cloud. I know uh, uh, there's a new therapist that created a book uh, called Boundaries and something like that. And it's good. But I really like Townsend and Cloud uh, because they show you how... Uh, your lack of boundaries, you're not being a Christian. You're being you're being unlike God. And it talks about it shows you how God has boundaries. Right. But one of the most shocking things to me when I read the boundaries book was the fact that my whole life I thought I was being a good Christian. But in reality, I was living a boundaryless life. That's crazy. Like that blew my mind. I was like, what? Right. It is easy. Don't don't miss this part. It is easy for believers to get trapped into people pleasing because the Bible literally says, consider your consider others better than yourself. 
Like it literally says that. So all my life, I thought I was sacrificially giving because of love. No. I was sacrificially giving, but I was sacrificially giving too much because I lacked boundaries. Right? And as a matter of fact, uh, the verse that says consider others better than yourself, uh, which is Philippians 2, the verse right after that says don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. It did not say don't look out for your own interests. That's not what it said. It says don't look out only for your own interests. So, so it's saying don't be selfish, right? When you read those two verses uh, in context, from verse 3 to verse 8, that's the context. From verse 3 to verse 8, it's talking about humility, right? It's, talk, it's not talking about people. It's not saying, hey, yeah, be a people pleaser. No, it's saying humble yourself. Don't be selfish. Humility does not mean think less of yourself. It means to think of yourself less. All right? You see the difference? Humility doesn't mean think think less of yourself. It means to think of yourself less. Right? That's a good way to understand that. So, so for those of you who are good people, all of my good people, wave your hand. I, I know I can't see you if you're waving your hand, but wave your hands in the air and, sh- you know, shake them like you just don't care. I did say that on a all audio podcast, but it's okay if you did it. Excellent day. Anyway, <laughs> so for you good people, I want to hold up a mirror for you. I want to hold up a mirror because you probably won't pick this mirror up yourself, right? But you probably need need to look into it, okay? People often say, uh, I love making people happy. I love making them feel good. If I had to guess, I would say about 92% of the people who say that they love making people happy and love making them feel good are actually on the spectrum of people pleasing. That, that I would say 92%. Now let's take a look in this mirror to see if you need to address your fear of man, right? By the way, um, I don't think I mentioned that before. So the Bible even talks about people pleasing, but it calls it the fear of man. So let me give you these three uh, before I continue. So layman's term, people-pleasing. Psychological term, codependence. Biblical term, fear of man. They're all the same, right? Now, so I'm going to share a few facts with you about people-pleasing, and then we're going to give you some signs and scenarios uh, to help you identify people-pleasing better because it is not it is it is not as obvious as you may think especially if you yourself are engulfed in it right okay now people pleasing is fueled by fear right people pleasing is fueled by fear but what what are you afraid of though and and before before I before we talk about what people pleasers are afraid of let me tell you what i mean by fear Okay. What I mean by fear is, so, so there's a natural, healthy kind of fear that all humans have. Right? It's for the purpose of survival. This fear, uh, so this fear 
is attempting to keep you away from physical harm, right? It's an emotion and it is triggered by your alarm system. Okay, you with me? That's not the kind of fear I'm talking about when I say people pleasers are fueled by fear, right? There's another kind of fear. The other kind of fear is not an emotion. It's not natural. It is a belief, right? Uh, it, it's in, and really, it's anxiety. But uh, you, when, when you read all the literature, they use the word fear, but really, it's anxiety, right? That's that's when it's a belief, it's anxiety. But anyway, it's a belief. So think about this: when when Paul tells Timothy that God has not given us a spirit of fear, he's talking about the second kind of fear, not the first kind of fear, right? Because the first kind of fear is innate, like you're born with it. Like children are born with the fear of loud sounds and the fear of falling. It's, it's innate, right? So, so that's not what Paul is talking about. He's talking about the second kind of fear, right? So to distinguish between these two fears, let's call the first, let's call the good fear, F-150, and the bad fear, F-250. <laughs> I gave you a, a chance to laugh. If you know me, you, you kind of kind of inside joke, right? But but I it's a good way to distinguish the two. So good fear, F-150, bad fear, F-250. The numbers don't mean anything. Uh, that's just what I thought of. So the F-250 is the fear that is the evil twin of pride, I call them the evil twins because they always run together and they are the root of all human dysfunction and pain. All of it, 100%. They're at the root of it, right? F-250 is a belief about the future, meaning whatever you're afraid of, it hasn't happened yet. And it probably won't happen. But you're afraid of it happening, so you interact with people in a way that you think will keep this thing from happening to you. But what is it that the people pleasers are afraid of? Like what is, what is F-250 afraid of? It's real simple. They fear not being accepted. That's it. They fear not being accepted. The opposite of being accepted is to be rejected. The reason that rejection, um, the reason that rejection hurts is because it sends the message you're not acceptable, right? When you, don't forget this part. Pay attention to this. Uh, perk up your ears. Get your pen and paper. I don't know. Just this is important. What I'm about to say. When you need someone, keyword need. When you need someone to accept you, then you are at their mercy. But here's the thing. The reason that you fear you won't be accepted by others is because you have not accepted yourself. Right. What do I mean by that? I mean, you have not accepted that you are good enough. Right. This creates the belief that no one will accept you. If you think about it logically, although this is not how it happens, but if you think about it logically, uh, so if I don't accept me, then why would anyone else accept me? Let me be good then so they'll accept me and then that will tell me that I'm acceptable. That's kind of how it works. 
but in your subconscious, you're not aware of it. See, you think that you're good because of what you do, but you're not good because of what you do. You're good because of who you are, right? Who are you or what are you? A creation of God. And watch this. He already declared in the beginning that you're good. So you don't need people to prove to you that you're good so you can believe it. But that's how that's how people pleasers operate. When you tie your identity to what you do, then you will never be secure in who you are. I'm going to say that again. When you tie your identity to what you do, then you will never be secure in who you are. We are human beings, not human doings. So who you are as a person is not tied to, you know, um, how well you treat people, how well you dress, how much money you have, what school you went to, whether or not you went to school, how many degrees you have. Those things those things have nothing to do with your identity. And because you connect your identity to those things that you, and you have no control over any of that, when they change and shift, your identity changes and shifts. But that should tell you that ain't real because your identity, who you really are, does not change like that. So what are some characteristics of people pleasers? What are some characteristics? So, um, this is the mirror that I was talking about. So I'm going to give you this mirror. So uh, people pleasers want to avoid confrontation at all costs. All right? They don't like confrontation. I have so many people who come into my office who would never classify themselves as a people pleaser. Uh, but they hate and they try to avoid at all costs confrontation. Now, I'm not saying, let me, let me be clear. I'm not saying that everybody who... Um, avoids confrontation is a people pleaser necessarily. But what I am saying is if you are a people pleaser, you're going to uh, avoid confrontation. Okay. So, so, you know, if this is a mirror, if you avoid confrontation, I don't want you to say, Oh, I'm a people pleaser. I just want you to consider, look in the mirror and consider, right? Here's another one. People pleasers are not authentic because they are afraid to say no. Right? They look, so they're afraid to say no, afraid to have boundaries, and they are really afraid to express negative emotions. Now, they're afraid of other people's negative emotions, so that's why they're always trying to make people make sure folk are smiling and, you know, doing whatever. But they are also afraid of expressing their negative emotions. Now, when I say negative emotions, what I mean is uh, emotions that don't make us feel pleasant. All right, that's what I mean, because in reality, emotions are, are, are not, no emotion is negative. Like anger is not negative. Sadness, those are not negative emotions. All emotions are positive. You probably say, huh? Yeah. All emotions are positive because they're meant to help us, right? They're not there to harm us. We allow them to harm us. We allow them to stop us. We allow them to dictate our lives, but that's not what they're there for. Emotions are just signs that point to something. 
it points to something that we need to either embrace, reject, address, or change. That's that, that's all it is. So when you when you're angry, it's sending a signal that you you feel like you've been mistreated. And so do you need to embrace, reject, address, or change something in that situation? But the emotion itself is not it's not negative. Okay. So anyway. Um so I said, you know, they they can't they can't people pleasers, you know, don't really say no and they it, it's hard for them, extremely hard. This was this was I I know this firsthand. It was extremely hard for me to express when I did not like something. Right? But here's the thing. This is a mirror point. Like this this look in this mirror. If you cannot tell your partner what is making you unhappy or angry or upset or disappointed, then the relationship cannot be successful. It's, it can't be successful, right? If you can't say what you don't like and what makes you unhappy, it's impossible for the relationship to be successful, right? So like yesterday, yesterday I told my wife, uh, I don't like it when you blank, right? And, and I, I said what I said, you know, to, but I don't like it when you blank. And then that's all I said. Like, I didn't accuse her of doing anything wrong. I didn't, I didn't say she needed to change anything. I simply told her what I did not like. I talked about me. But if I'm honest, the reason that I did that is because the whatever you know what I was addressing it happened while I was preparing for this episode and so because you know this is fresh on my mind I noticed that I had while I was preparing this I noticed that I had been falling back into holding things in for fear of how she will take it so I said okay I have to start sharing what what I'm feeling even if she won't like it right so that's the thing about as when you do your recovery I just just let you know this part. When you do your recovery, that doesn't mean that, you know, once you're over people pleasing, you won't fall back into it every now and then or you won't have to like recheck yourself. Right. And so preparing this information for you made me do that. I had to look at myself like, wait a minute. I think I'm back to holding some things in. So, you know, when that opportunity showed up, I went downstairs and I told my wife, hey, I don't like it when you do this. And that's that's all I said. I just I just left it there, right? Why did I do that? You know, number one, so that I can model it as a leader. Right? I'm the leader. So let me model this anti-people pleasing behavior, right? But also, also so that I can make sure that I'm doing my part to have a healthy marriage by being as authentic as I can. Right? And that's the thing. When you're a people pleaser, you will have trouble being you because you won't know who to be. Like, you've spent so much time trying to be who people want you to be that you've rejected parts of you that you did not have a problem with. Right. I'm going to say that again. You've spent so much time 
trying to be what people want you to be, that you've rejected parts of you that you didn't have a problem with. When the parts of you, uh, when the parts of you that are rejected by people, but not rejected by you, you may feel like those parts are bad, right? If, 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 if you like dressing a certain way, but, but, you know, folk are always talking about, you know, how you dress when you don't know who you are, you may think that you need to change how you dress, but that ain't, that ain't true, right? When there are parts of you that are rejected by people, but not rejected by you, you may feel like those parts of you are bad when they are not. Right. The easy example, I have a firsthand experience. The easiest example of that for me is this. So I've spent my entire adult life having female friends. Right. Uh, My entire adult life. If that is who I am and I'm okay with it, then other people being uncomfortable with it should not make me think that it's a bad thing. Right. I should not have to change things about me that me and God are okay with just because someone else is not. Now, I know a lot of people are going to disagree on this part, and that's okay, Right. Like even even Steve, Steve, Stevie, (laughs) even Steve Harvey says uh, that men and women can't be platonic friends. Well, obviously, that's not true. Because I've done it successfully, right? But I have also allowed other people's uncomfortableness with it to make me try to change, which is not a good idea, right? You shouldn't have to do that. But I digress. Let me get back to what I was saying. Listen, at the end of the day, if you are trapped in the prison of people pleasing, I want to strongly urge you to get out of um, get out of that prison as soon as you can. Like that's not a place where you can thrive. It's impossible. Get out of that prison. You are wasting time. And so, you know, know, people say, you know, time is money. Uh, That's not true. Right. Time is time is infinitely more valuable than money. Time is the most important thing that we have. And if you stay stuck in this prison, right, you're wasting time on your pl- on the planet, fake loving when you could be real loving. You're wasting time on the planet trying to get something through manipulation that if you just be you, you could get it outright. Like you wouldn't have to trick people into loving you and liking you by being whatever they want you to be. If the people around you really can't accept you for who you are, then you need to find some new people to be around. That's the show. (laughs) That's the show. Uh, But I think I'm going to do a part two. Uh, I'm going to do a part two to this because there's still a lot that I didn't talk about. You know, now that I'm thinking about it here towards the end, uh, the thing and this has the potential to keep you from what God has for you. Right. It has the potential to keep you from what God has for you. So I definitely think 
it's worth going a little deeper. So I think we're going to do a part two. Uh, listen, I hope this was helpful for you. I hope that I made you think. I hope that I uh, helped you look in the mirror in a good way to see things that you may want to address and change. Right. Um, yeah, I hope this was helpful for you. So until next time, I pray God's most ridiculous blessings over your life.